here in America to spread this gospel message of the kingdom, the cross, and the resurrection. In Ohio, according to PewForm, only 38% of people attend church on a weekly basis. So two-thirds of the people you see walking down the streets that you see in the mall or at a football game or baseball game, wherever you may see them, you know, like two-thirds of them do not attend church on a, weekly, on a weekly basis. And they're missing out on the blessing that you have in being part of a family, being part of a family of God. I was talking to Margie before a service this morning, and she was talking about the huge blessings that her family has experienced from this family, this church family. We are extremely blessed, and more and more people are not experiencing that blessing that we have and being a part of a family of God. And so there's many people out there that are lost, and they need to come to this salvation, this grace, this, this faith that we have. There's people in our own backyard, our own people here in Springfield, Ohio, that need to hear this message of the gospel of the kingdom. And so we have a responsibility. We have a job. You all have a job to present this message of the kingdom and the cross and the resurrection, present this gospel message to the people, as there's plenty of people right here in Ohio who do not take their faith very seriously or, or, or who don't even know of the faith that we had. And so we have that responsibility. The question that we have to ask is how? How do we evangelize to these people? And it's a question that a lot of people ask. And it's a valid question. How do we present this information to the people around us who don't have the same faith as us? And so this morning we're going to take a look at seven different methods of evangelism. Some more successful than others. But nonetheless, we're going to look at seven different methods of evangelism. And we're going to take a look to see at uh, which is per se the, the best method of evangelism. So the first method of evangelism is lifestyle evangelism. This is the idea where that if you live a godly life, people are going to see you and they're going to reflect that godly life. It, it, it's a pretty passive way of evangelizing to others. Um, probably not the, the best way, but, but still good nonetheless. This is the way I uh, evangelized in high school as I wasn't really quite bold enough to share my faith with some of my classmates and friends in school. And so rather than telling them about the good news that uh, I had, uh, I just tried to live a godly life and tried to uh, be a good example unto my classmates. Um, but from my experience, it doesn't really bear much fruit at all. Not many people are really turning their life over to God by you just merely living a godly life. There, there needs more than that. The second method of evangelism is servant evangelism. This is where you try to lure people into a relationship with God through serving their needs. This is great for a small group. Uh, they do this at the Up Project. Uh, Julie Driscoll, uh, sick this morning, but she, uh, along with a couple of other people, they head up uh, what's called the Up Project once a year. Some of our youth have uh, participated in it. And it's a week long, generally, and they go out and serve a certain community uh, in the States, and uh, they, they serve their needs and, and in hopes that they will in turn want to hear this message of the gospel of the kingdom. And this is a great way Je Jesus served. He, 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 he had a servant's heart, and it, no doubt very important and very good. And so we can go into a soup kitchen or homeless shelter and serve the, the needs of the people. The problem with this that I see is a lot of times when you're going and serving people's needs, 
often the message of the kingdom gets left out. It's great serving their temporary needs because nobody's going to want to listen to you with an empty stomach or without a house over their heads. Nobody's going to want to listen to you if you don't take care of those needs. But so many people forget to present that gospel message after they do serve those needs. And so that's servant evangelism. The third type of evangelism that we'll look at this morning is event evangelism. And this is a popular method among churches. This is an idea where you host an event and you bring people into the church and you hope that maybe talk about God or, or the kingdom or the gospel message uh, will be brought up. And uh, we, we do this as well. Vicki does a great job organizing some outreach events such as the Easter egg hunt or trunk or treat or, or we have the car show as well. Um, and those are great events to bring people in. And, and they, they are great and we need to continue to do those. But the problem with this is that a lot of times when we host an event like this, the message of the kingdom never gets gets brought up. People aren't presented with the gospel message that we have. And it's serving a purpose, but we still need to evangelize outside of those events that we host on an annual basis. Another method of evangelism is door-to-door evangelism. When you may think of evangelism, this may be what comes to your mind as people go knocking on door-to-door from neighborhood to neighborhood, presenting uh, the gospel message to people, and uh, this worked a lot better about 50 years ago, but nowadays, people just don't want you in your house. We're, we're, we're a very private society. Everybody sets up their fences around their yard and lock their door. They, they don't want anybody coming to their door, knocking on their door, or giving them a call, as we're, we're becoming more and more of a private society. And so when you think of door-to-door evangelism, the Jehovah's Witness and Mormons are, are best known for the, yes, yeah, some, some laughter here. I'm, I'm sure many of us, if maybe not all of us, have had maybe a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon come knock on our door uh, trying to uh, present that gospel message. And uh, again, it served a great purpose, um, but with the way our society is moving, um, it's becoming less and less uh, effective. As people, uh, as statistics show that it's just not quite effective nowadays, door-to-door evangelism. Another method of evangelism is street preaching evangelism. When you go to a public event, like if you go to a football game or a baseball game or a concert, whatever, as you go to your parking lot and you have to walk to, to the venue, to the stadium, whatever it may be, and you may often find someone standing on the sidewalk preaching, uh, whatever they may be preaching, some of them have a dark message, you're going to burn in hell. Probably not the best message to be preaching to people as that often will turn people away from, uh, from God. Uh, but nonetheless, and done in the right manner, it can still uh, bear fruit. Um, but it doesn't elicit a lot of response from the people street preaching because it, it's a general call to people. People don't necessarily respond to a general call. If, uh, if we needed a volunteer to mow the church's lawn, and if I announced that this morning, there's a good chance that none of you guys would volunteer to mow the lawn. You would, uh, maybe, maybe I, I might be wrong, but if I were to ask someone one-on-one, if I were to ask Mark, hey, Mark, we need someone to mow the lawn this week, would you be able to do that? That'd be very hard for him to tell me no. People are much more likely to respond to a one-on-one invitation. Mark, I'll let you off the hook this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with street preaching and preaching to a general public, doesn't necessarily elicit a whole lot of response as it's a general call and it's easy for people to just turn their shoulder and not, 
not accept the calling that they have. Uh, the sixth method of evangelism uh, that we'll talk, briefly talk about this morning is tract evangelism. And this is the idea where you send out a tract or a brochure or a card of info to someone uh, to present uh, the gospel message. And this can be very helpful as uh, it's, it's, the gospel message can be a bit much for someone to, uh, to get in their mind, organize in their mind if they're presented to it for the very first time. So a tract or a brochure or whatever it may be, a packet, can help them organize the information in, in, their, in their head. But the problem with, with this idea is that many people use this as a substitution for actually going out and talking to the people themselves. So those are the first six methods of evangelism uh, that we're going to talk about uh, this morning. And they're all good. They are all good. I would encourage you all to, to partake in all six of these methods of evangelism. But it's my opinion that these six alone are not enough. They, they, they all serve its purpose. But I think the greatest, studies show that the greatest method of evangelism is relational evangelism. Studies show the greatest method of evangelism is relational evangelism. The idea where you, where you build and develop a relationship with someone and as you build that trust, you then present the gospel message, how much value they have in God's eyes. And it's when you build that relationship with someone, pre present that gospel message to someone and evangelize to them, studies show that that is the single most effective way of a van country and state that don't accept this faith, this awesome faith. The most effective way to bring them into the similar faith that we have is by building a relationship with them. And by telling them in conversation, one-on-one, -on -one, the blessings that we have in being part of a church, the body of Christ, the family of God, and the good news that we have in the kingdom, that one day everything wrong with this world will be made right. And so this morning we're going to take a look at relational evangelism. What better person to look at as an example than Jesus Christ himself? So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Luke chapter 5 here. He's about to uh, sit down and eat with a group of tax collectors and sinners. And so in Luke chapter 5, verse 27, it reads, After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So here we see a story of Jesus. Uh, he confronts this man uh, named Levi, who's also known as Matthew. Um, and he confronts this uh, man named Levi, who was a tax collector. And now a tax collector back in that day, they were kind of viewed as the scum of the earth, as they cheated people out of their money. They tried to pinch every penny from the people's pockets. And so people did not really like the tax collectors at all. They're they kind of viewed as the scum of the earth. But Jesus, Jesus was found reclining at a table and talking with these tax collectors and, and these sinners. 
And these Pharisees, these group of Jews who, who were like the ultra-religious people of the time, they said to Jesus, why are you sitting down and eating with these group of tax collectors and sinners? Why, why associate with these sinners? And Jesus replies, then, it's, not, it's not the well who need a physician. It's not the people who are healthy who need a doctor. Rather, it's the people who are sick who need a doctor. Jesus says, I've not come to call the righteous but I've come to call the sinners to repentance. And so Jesus purposefully developed that relationship with those tax collectors and sinners. He purposefully developed that relationship so that he could bring them to repentance. He could bring them into the family of God. He could bring them into the church. He could present the gospel message to them. He purposefully developed those relationships with, with, with those sinful people or those tax collectors, the people who the Pharisees would have never dreamed about associating themselves with. But Jesus purposefully developed that relationship so that he could disciple them, so that he could share this gospel message with them as they needed it just like everyone else. And five times in the book of Luke alone, we, we see stories of either Jesus hanging out with these tax collectors and sinners or the Pharisees calling Jesus a friend of sinners. So five times in one book, we see our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the, the most holy person who has walked this earth, hanging out with, with, with the scum of the earth. Five, five times in one book. It's important for us. It's important for us as, as we're talking about spreading this gospel message to everybody. It's important for us to develop those relationships with people outside of the church. It's important to have those relationships with people who, who aren't raised in the church, who, who don't have this knowledge, this information of the gospel message of the kingdom and the cross and the resurrection. It's important. Jesus did it. And now, yes, there, there, there is a balance to it as bad company corrupts good morals. But you need to be seeking those relationships with people who aren't seeking a relationship with God. Now, for some of us, this is more difficult than others. People generally have uh, three different spheres of people that they hang out with. They generally hang out with people at their work, their family, and someone in the church. They hang out with church people. And uh, like for me, myself, well, my job is the church, and my family is the church, and I come to church. And so I really only associate with people who, who are in the faith. We have a couple stay-at-home mothers who, well, their job is to take care of their kids who are being raised in the church. Their, their family is in the church. They come to church, which is the people they hang out with all the time. And so it's more difficult for some of us, but it's important nonetheless for all of us to try and seek those relationships. Uh, I, I'm living at an apartment complex right now, and, and I'm starting to develop uh, the relationships with uh, my fellow apartment mates. Um, not sure what the correct terminology is there, but we'll go with the apartment mates. Neighbors. neighbors. Yeah, some people call them neighbors. I, I prefer apartment mates. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I'm slowly developing those relationships with neighbors or apartment mates. And, and it, it's at a start, um, but, but I need to progress there and develop those relationships so that I can present that gospel message to them, so that I can evangelize to them. Because studies show that the most effective way of evangelism it's through building those relationships and then presenting that gospel message to other people. And now Jesus, he didn't just meet with these sinners and these tax collectors. He didn't just meet with them to, to have a good time, but Jesus had a purpose behind it. And, and we see that purpose in verses 31 and 32, as we read earlier. And Jesus answered them, 
Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so Jesus in meeting with, with these sinners, his goal was to, to bring these sinners to repentance. His goal was to, to have these people seek a relationship with God. And, and we see a tiny bit of this in action in Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, we'll, we'll read verses 1 through 7. This is uh, the parable of the lost sheep, which many of you might be familiar with. And so in verse uh, 1 of chapter 15, it reads, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribe grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So again, we see Christ sitting down with the tax collectors and the sinners. And again, the Pharisees, the religious people, are grumbling, Jesus, why are you receiving these sinners and their tax collectors? Why are you eating them? Why are you hanging out with them? You are too holy to be hanging out with these people. And so Jesus told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So here are these Pharisees grumbling with Jesus about associating with these sinners. And Jesus responds to them, with the parable of the lost sheep, and we could continue with the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son. And Jesus has this parable. He tells this story. He says there's a shepherd who had 100 sheep, and he had 99 with him out in the open field, but one, one sheep ran away. And so he said, what shepherd wouldn't go leave his 99 to, to go seek that one? Well, if I were a shepherd, I don't think I would have uh, the heart and, and the care uh, and love for that one sheep in particular, to lead the 99 to go seek that one. But nonetheless, Jesus says, the shepherd went out and found the one lost sheep, left his 99, but, but found the one lost sheep. And the shepherd found it, and they rejoiced. And Jesus summarizes this in verse 7, just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Again, Jesus sought these relationships with, with, with these sinners, these people outside of the church. He sought those relationships so that he could lead them to repentance. For Jesus, we, we took a look at a couple weeks ago, for Jesus' message was repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he was encouraging them to repent. He was encouraging them to seek a relationship with God. He was, he was sharing the gospel message with these sinners, the, these sick people who needed a doctor, these people who had no hope in life, these people who had no family outside their blood family, these people who, who, who didn't care and love for them. Jesus sought the relationship with them so that he could bring them into his family, into our family, the family of God. He talked to them so that he could deliver this message of the kingdom to them because studies show the most effective way to evangelize to someone is not through track, not through door-to-door, -door, not through hosting an event, uh, not through uh, preaching on the street. But the most effective way of evangelizing to other people 
is developing that relationship with them and then sharing that gospel message with them. And that's what we see time and time again Jesus do in, 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 the, in the three gospels, the four gospels. Jesus associated himself with, with the people who, who weren't necessarily religious. And he did that so that he could have a positive impact on them and so that he could evangelize them. Because again, relational evangelism is the most effective way of evangelizing to people. And let me tell you, me, me standing up here, I, I, I could preach all day, but I don't have the relationships with some of the people that you do. Well, I don't have the relationships with the people at your work or, or some of your friends from school or your neighbors. I don't have the relationships, but you do. You do. You have those relationships. And many of those people, on average, two-thirds of them aren't, aren't participating in a church. And so you have responsibility you have responsibility to develop those relationships with those people and to then present the gospel message to them. Tell them that there's a God who loves them. Tell them that there's a God who's preparing a kingdom where everything wrong with this world will be made right, where we will have a never-ending celebration with God and Jesus Christ himself. That's the good news that we have. That's the good news that you need to share to your friends, to your family, those who aren't in church, because that's the most effective way of evangelizing to people. We can host 20 events a year. We can send out tracts. We can do all of this stuff as a church. But nothing will be as effective as you talking to your friends and family about their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, about their Father, their God, Yahweh, about the kingdom, about the cross and the resurrection. You have so much influence. You have so much power. You have so much responsibility as Christians. And so it's my plea, it's my prayer that all of you go out and you seek those relationships with those people, but not just to have a, have a good time, not, not to partake in their sinful activities, but to seek those relationships so that you then can have a positive impact on them and so that you can present the gospel message to them to yourself. Because again, studies show that's the most effective way to bring people into the family of God. It's the most effective way to bringing them into a personal relationship with God. And so I challenge you all this week. Challenge, I, have, I have a challenge for you all this week. I challenge that, that you just take one person, one person in your life who's close to you, who isn't, who isn't in church, who isn't personally seeking a relationship with God, and I challenge you to make an effort to seek a relationship with that person and make an effort to share the gospel message that we have. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't make that effort to share that gospel message with someone, it's not going to happen. It, it needs a deliberate effort. I mean, I went through all of high school pretty much without hardly sharing my faith with others. And I, I'm ashamed of that. I'm, I'm embarrassed about that. And, and it's one of my greatest regrets to this day. And I don't want you guys to make the same mistake as I did. Take advantage of those relationships that you have with those people outside of the church. And I'm telling you, you, you will have an impact and influence on, on people in this world if you are developing that relationship with them and building that trust with them and presenting the gospel message with them. There's lots of people in this world who are lost, lots of people who need to know the good news that we have. And so in order to reach the lost, you gotta go talk to them. You gotta go talk to them and you gotta present this gospel message because that is the most effective way of evangelism 
and you have the ability to do that. So let's pray. Father God, I just uh, thank you for uh, this day. Uh, I thank you for uh, all the great news that we uh, have heard today. Uh, Father, uh, I just thank you for uh, the ultimate good news that we have. The good news of the kingdom, the cross, and the resurrection. That one day everything wrong with this world will be made right. And Father, I just pray that you be with us this week. That you give us the boldness and the courageousness to, to present this gospel message to our friends and our family who are in the church. Because Father, time and time again tells us that that's the most effective way and chain your gospel message. So Father, again, it's just my plea that you put it on the heart of these people to share with their friends and family the good news that we have. And Father, it's in your precious son's name that we pray. Amen.